We'd like to warn you that this episode contains potential trigger topics, such as suicide, miscarriage, and abortion. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to Spiritual Basics Podcast with April and Jen, a bi-monthly podcast designed to teach the searchers, seekers, and spiritually curious the basics of metaphysics and new thought. They're all about the basics, but they are not basic bitches. Now, here are your hosts, April Dali and Jen Merkel. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Spiritual Basics Podcast with April and Jen. My name is Jen Merkel. I am a light worker. I am a transformational life coach and a certified hypnosis practitioner. You can learn more about me and sign up for my wellness newsletter at jenmerkelhypnosis.com. And I'm April Darley. I'm an intuitive mindset coach, and I'm going to help you figure out who you really are, what you really want to do, and get rid of all the obstacles keeping you from that, all with a dash of practical magic. And you can find out more about that at my website, apraldarley.com. So today we are continuing our conversation all about your soul's journey, past, present, and future. We last week, if you haven't listened to the first part of this, you know, go ahead and make sure you add that to your playlist because we talked about things like what happens, what your soul's doing before you're born, along with what's happening in your current life, this soul's journey. So today we're talking about death, what happens to you when you die, after you die, and also past lives. And then we're going to pose some really philosophical questions about souls. So let's talk about transitioning to the other side, also known as death. Mm -hmm. So questions like, is there a heaven? Is there a hell? So for me, I don't personally believe there is. I believe that our souls transitions to the in-between space, um, also known as the other side, which I do call it the other side quite often as well. And that's where it prepares for your next life and or does other work as we discussed before. Right. So I will often refer to it as heaven or afterlife or other side. And I think the function is a lot like what you just described, Jen. Uh, we do what we want. We continue working. We decompress and we heal if our earthly life was really traumatic and we prepare, plan, and choose for the next life. I don't actually believe in hell at all. And I mm -hmm. do think you create the reality and experiences of your afterlife. So there's this movie, it's called What Dreams May Come with Robin Williams. And there are some people that have an out-of-body experience or near-death experience, and they experience a hellish type afterlife. But to me, because I think that we create our own experiences, those people might have some guilt or fear about death or what will happen next. And I know I've had the most staunchly Christian clients in my office as clients, and they believe in heaven. They believe they're going to get it. They love God. They love Jesus, but yet they're still terrified of death. So that terror, that extreme fear, I think can color your afterlife experience. Yeah, that does make a lot of sense, really. Um, some people, when they cross over, they have talked about seeing the light and being welcomed by a loved one who's in spirit or seeing the life flashing before their eyes. Um, and also some people have experienced out-of-body experiences or OBEs. Again, we're going to actually talk about that in a future episode. But just to kind of go over it a little bit, 
for example, people that have seen doctors in the hospital room frantically working on them. Uh, Anita Morjani wrote a book called Dying to Be Me, and it's her story about how she was extremely sick with cancer. She died on the table and was in the hospital bed for, I think it was like 30 minutes. And she was dead. She was flatlined for that long. She saw her body being worked on by the doctors, saw her husband and her family members next to her upset. And when she was on the other side, she was given the option to cross over or come back to earth. So she just chose to come back to earth where subsequently within two weeks, she became hundred percent cancer free and um, is now a very healthy person as a result. Her book is more about the things she learned and implemented, um, how to be healthy in body by having a certain mindset. You know, some of that description is similar to Betty Eady's Embrace by the Light in that she was given the choice to return. She did choose. She did see doctors working on her body. So yeah, I love it. So April, you had told me before a story about how you had uh, wisdom teeth removed and something happened to you. Yeah. Tell us about that. So I don't know if we would classify this as like out of body experience, but this, I was in my early twenties, I had wisdom teeth removal. And at that time, my husband was in the military and he had arranged it to where the residents, he was a dental lab tech and he had arranged it. So the resident, the best resident was going to take my teeth out. On the day before the surgery, he came home and said, well, the best resident switched places with the worst resident. And it's not like he was awful because if if you're a fourth year resident, you've done some stuff, but there's this joke, what do you call the person who graduates last in their med school class? Doctor. That's the joke. They're still doctors, <laughs> right? Right. So yeah. I, you know, he assured me enough that I didn't think this person was terrible, right? So in the military, it was a military hospital and they took you back to oral surgery and the residents do have attending physicians as their supervisor. So everybody's there. And they gave me an IV drip of Valium and Demerol. And that particular combination causes some short-term memory loss or amnesia. So they just want you sort of in this blissed out state that you don't realize that somebody is twerking on your mouth and trying to rip your teeth out, right? So they also hook you up to a heart monitor. And apparently I was blissed out and I was having all four teeth removed. The top two were just, I guess he popped them out. It's pretty sure, please. I'm blissed out. I don't know. But the bottom two were impacted. So you have to cut those up. Yeah, I've had that happen before. Right? It's not fun. So I guess he goes for that. And it, something snapped me out of it. All I remember is I went, <gasps> and then I hear the heart monitor flatline. I hear it go beep. And at that moment, I'm glowing, am I dead? I remember thinking this. I was like, am I dead? I don't feel dead. Am I dead? Um, <laughs> so I remember seeing some things like, I don't know that I wasn't floating above my body. I guess I was just like body level. And I remember seeing the flat line. I remember hearing people yell, we need Epi, we need Epi stat. So I guess they shot me up with Epi, waited some amount of time, and he went for that tooth again. Same thing happened. I gasped. I flatlined again. More Epi was given. And 
I mean, eventually, I can't believe they went ahead with the surgery, but they finished the surgery. Wow. They gave me, I I could, at that point, I must have had so much adrenaline, it was burning out that pain medication because I could feel some of what he was doing. Ugh. And oh, I gosh. asked for more pain medication and he said, no, I've given you the maximum without being toxic. So he's like, I can't give you any more medication. So, I mean, that wasn't the best experience, but did I die? I don't know. I remember thinking, am I dead? I don't feel dead. But I was in this mm-hmm. floaty space and I flatlined twice. At yeah. least it was, at the very least, it was probably an NDE near-death experience. <laughs> I guess. Oh, my life is so interesting. <laughs> so some people believe that when you pass away, you as soon as you die, you go through what's called a life review. And that's like a longer process. So I know the flashing before your life flashing before your eyes, that's something that we've all heard. But this is like a longer process where we review our lives in more depth. Uh, and the impact, for example, the impact we made on others, both positive and negative, and the lessons we learned. Some people believe that this must be done upon transition, and that it can take several weeks or months or longer both Betty Eady and Sylvia Brown talk about it. So Sylvia Brown talks about, depending on how horrific your earthly life was, you may actually need to be segregated a little bit from, it's almost like prison, right? You need like isolation before you're released in gen pop. But she talked about how Joan of Arc, who was burnt to death, needed extra time to decompress to let go of the trauma of that life before she was able to really fully integrate in the heaven space or the afterlife space. So uh, Betty Eady talked about when you cross over, yes, it was immediate and that you're taken to this special sort of viewing chamber. And inside this chamber, your whole, you know, that cliche, your whole life flashes before your eyes, but it's almost like this big screen, right? Where you get to relive it second by second, moment by moment. And not only are you seeing it, but you're feeling it, both positive and negative. And you feel the ripple effect. So if you did something positive, you're feeling how that positive ripple effect carried down to however many people. By the same token, if you did something negative, you're feeling the ripple effect of that. So if you came home, yelled at your partner, they went to work, yelled at their boss, et cetera, et cetera. You're going to feel all of those ripples. And she says that Jesus is next to you in the life review. So you're not alone and you feel like a complete awful person because you're reviewing this minute by minute. And she says, Jesus is, you know, just basically saying, no, girl, it's okay. You know, it wasn't bad, you know, blah, but you are really reliving everything you do here, positive and negative and the ripples of all of that. But the people that I've heard this concept from, a lot of them think it's more of a matter of fact kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Like it's just an observation rather than feeling those emotions, good or bad. I think that feeling experience in my own personal belief system is the closest thing you ever get to hell because you're feeling what Mm -hmm. you made someone else feel and that in that heaven afterlife space feels like torture. But I think that's the only time you get it. So let's talk for a minute about connecting with others on the other side. Using a medium is how a lot of people do this. I just actually did a mediumship reading today. While someone is doing their life review, they aren't typically available to contact their living loved ones through a medium or otherwise. And 
honestly, again, I don't personally believe this to be true because I think sometimes maybe it it takes people a long time before their soul is ready to uh, connect with others, but sometimes it happens very quickly. I mean, just last, I think it was last, yeah, it was our last episode. I talked about how someone who passed away actually came to see me that evening in my dream. But I've heard from others too, stories where people, you know, like they were visited by people like in their room as a soul from the other side. And the people they visited didn't even know they'd passed away yet. So I I don't know. Maybe it's just like on an individual basis. Mm-hmm. I guess that's all that I can say about that. Yeah. So I often will not try to connect with a newly crossed over soul for several weeks or at least a month. Like my grandma passed away just yesterday. And I'm not even going to try to reach out and go, hey, grandma, how you doing for a couple of weeks, just in case they do need more time for that review and and the integration. So I'm not sure about them being unavailable during a life review, but I know that when I was practicing mediumship and I have tried to contact people on the other side, I get the message that they're busy. So since I believe that we continue to work on the other side, they could be busy doing anything. But if you want to connect a busy loved one and Archangel Azrael can act as the go-between and fairy messages back between you and your loved one if you get the busy signal that your loved one can't talk to you at the moment. So Archangel Azrael is the angel of mediumship and transitions. So sometimes he's referred to as the angel of death, but that's, you know, some bad PR marketing. It's not as (laughs) terrible as all of that. He's just there to help us transition from earth to the other side. And if you want to know what his angel light color is, it's this beautiful vanilla buttercream color for Archangel Azrael. So a question that comes up sometimes is whether you can connect with someone who's on the other side if they've already reincarnated. For example, you might think that your grandfather has reincarnated as your son. Can you connect with your grandfather even though you know he's already reincarnated? Or maybe if you don't know. And I do believe you can because our souls can be in more than one place at a time. As we've kind of already talked about a little bit, you know, your soul might actually be someplace else right now as well at the same time. So I, when I read this question on our show notes, I actually, I have to admit, I never gave this particular aspect any thought before. So I'm going to have to like marinate this and amend my own spiritual <laughs> beliefs, I think. But I think that that could be the cause of some of the busy signals is maybe they're already incarnated, they're doing stuff. So I'm not sure about that one. I'm going to leave it with a maybe. You know, I have to say also just to interject a little bit here as someone who is a practicing medium, you know, when I'm working with a client, they want to talk, you know, they want to connect with their father. I have to make it clear that their father may come through and we can set that intention, but that's the, sometimes they don't because they don't want to. Personally, I don't think it's because they're not available. I think they just, for whatever reason, they still have free will on the other side. So they might decide not to, or there might be someone more important that needs to come through and they allow that person to come through instead. Um, in my experience as a medium, sometimes I'll get two people at a time who aren't even related or knew each other in that life. They're just connected through the person I'm sitting with. Sometimes I'll get different people, I don't want to say fighting over, but like, you know, fighting for attention. <laughs> so popular. And sometimes right? they blend, you know, like we should do, we should do an episode about mediumship because yeah. yeah, there's a lot of interesting things like that. 
So let's take some time now to talk about past lives. There's a lot to talk about with past lives. Um, There's so much intrigue over it. There have been some studies done, and you may have heard about kids who remember their past lives. And when this happens often throughout their lifetime, as they get older, they begin to forget the details. So something you might want to check out for more information. Um, There was some work done by Ian Stevenson, who actually that was his life's work interviewing people who were actually adults or young adults who were remembered when they were born and very young children remembered incidents from their past lives. And they were able to prove that this was the case. They were able to meet these families and, you know, show these examples. It was actually um, really incredible. There is some uh, information about that in the book by Tom Schroeder called Old Souls. Honestly, I remember reading that book and I don't really recommend it um, just because a lot of it is about other stuff other than these stories. But if you look up Ian Stevenson in his work, you might find some really interesting examples there. So another one that I have to say is in my shame stack. And what I mean by shame stack is it's that stack of books that you mean to read, but you haven't really read yet. And one of those books for me is The Boy Who Knew Too Much. And this is by Kathy Bird and Hay House. And this is another childhood reincarnation story. And he was Lou Gehrig, the famous baseball player. So that's really fascinating is I actually think they took him to meet Lou Gehrig's wife. And he was able to recall details and and whatnot. And Kathy Bird was uh, a Christian who did not actually believe in past lives until her son was born. All of this stuff happened and she could no longer kind of deny that. And so it inspired her to write the book with Hay House. It's fascinating. Uh, Speaking of fascinating, there is a fascinating series running on Netflix called Life After Death. I think it's a six-part series. And it's not really about life after death. It's kind of about what we're talking about now is uh, past lives and what happens to you after you die. And they do have, I think it's, it's at least one episode, possibly two episodes that they talk to a couple people who are adults and had done exactly that. They, as children, remembered past lives and were able to verify a lot of that. So something to keep in mind about yourself in a past life, you may have been something very different. And that's something that, you know, when I do a past life hypnosis session, I have to tell people ahead of time because the best way to experience a past life hypnosis session is to have zero expectations about anything and just let whatever happened happen. Because if you think you're going to always be a female Or if you think you're always going to be white or American or whatever, it's probably not the case. I've had so many different types of people from all different races. I had uh, a woman who came back and she was wearing an animal skin in like the ice age Mm -hmm. almost. It was very cold and she was by a fire in a cave with the baby. You know, I've had people in the Old West. I've had people who were royalty. I've had so many different types. Um, Also, you might have been in a past life, you might have been an animal. And then I also raised the question, 
perhaps you may have been a plant or an insect. Uh, it's possible, although I do think that plants and insects have souls, but they're not as advanced as humans or even animals. So I don't know that a human would have been a plant in another life, but it's very possible that plants reincarnate as other plants, I suppose. Also consider that in past lives or in another dimension, your soul may have been a mermaid, a fairy, or an elf. I know my soul, I have a mermaid soul. Mm -hmm. I know in another life somewhere I have been a mermaid or I am a mermaid. Um, you could have been living on another planet or in another dimension or something else that we don't even know about. Yeah. One of the books that I read uh, is, I think it's by, it's by Dorian Virtue, and I think it's called Incarnations of the Elementals. And she talks about how your soul's origin may not actually be human. Like you might be this mermaid. And she considers mermaids to be a cross right. between an elemental and a star person. And I have a lot of clients who who feel that they come from different galaxies, that they're star people. I have a client, I even joke that I have fairy blood right? I, I joke, you know, and I, I feel very connected to that. Have I been a fairy? Probably. But mm -hmm. yeah, so I totally think that's possible as well. And I've had that with clients that they've certainly been animals that they've been. Um, I had one client once who had a past life as a robot, right? So mm -hmm. all kinds of different things, because if you consider the galaxy as a whole, we don't even know what's out there. So there can be a lot of different combinations. So what if you don't believe in past lives? but you have some freaky experiences that you just can't explain. So there is an alternative theory to past lives and it's called the concept of cellular memory. So theorists believe that the cells of your body are capable of storing memories separate from the brain, especially traumatic memories. So these memories are accessed or released via chemicals between the cells. And every cell of the body has DNA, which can store these memories. Now, on any given day, your brain interprets a certain chemical mashup, if you will, and reconstructs this chemical mashup as a memory. So it does a similar process in decoding emotions. So examples of this include organ transplant recipients. And this is so fascinating to me. Recipients of organ transplants can suddenly have memories that aren't their own. They can develop new fears, new behaviors that were not typical of their pre-implantation experience, but were typical of their donor. So that's pretty cool. And I know some horror movies have talked about that. But yeah, you can totally have experiences because that organ that was transplanted in you has cells that contain memories. So yeah, could happen. Scientific studies of worms and rats show that genetic information related to experiences can often transfer past several generations. So a particular rat study is they had this rat and they, I don't love animal experimentation. So let me just say that, right? But to progress science, they do what they do. But this particular rat was given an, an electric shock and the smell of cherries. And they had cherries in her cage. The smell of cherries was given an electric shock. So they did that for a certain period of time, took that stimulus away, bred the rat. The rat had babies, separated mom from the babies at a certain stage, and fed the children cherries. The children would not touch the cherries, wouldn't go near them, wouldn't mm. touch them. Those kids had never seen cherries before. So it led the scientists to propose that the mother 
associating pain with cherries, somehow that information was passed down to our offspring who had never been exposed to cherries, but had an aversion response. They have discovered that Holocaust survivors, their grandchildren, have the starvation gene activated. Even though these grandchildren have never been exposed to any kind of starvation event, but what mm-hmm. their grandparents experienced changed their cellular makeup to function better in a starved environment. So a lot of people do believe that these things can be passed down. And I've had this experience myself is you might long for a culture or a place. You might be particularly attracted to a destination or a hobby. This could actually be a past life memory, something that feels good and comfortable to your body, or it could be a cellular memory from one of your ancestors. Yeah. And I wonder about that because, you know, I've talked on the show before about how I've really been connecting with my Scandinavian roots. And I don't know that I've had a past life in Scandinavia, but, you know, I've never even been to Sweden, which is where my ancestors are from, but I still have a really strong connection to that. So, and obviously that's how I connect with my ancestors as well. So I had something kind of interesting with that is I used to see visions of myself sword fighting. And I just knew that if I were to ever pick up a sword in this life, I'd be good at it. So the opportunity (laughs) came along when I was 21. I took a martial arts that had um, sword play in it, katana. And as soon as I picked up the katana, I was a badass. I was like, it felt natural. It was an extension. I knew what Mm -hmm. to do with it. And yeah, and I have the same sort of feeling about piano. I just feel that at some point I have played the piano. Mm-hmm. But I've tried to take Irish fiddling lessons for about a year and a half in this April life. And let me tell you, I just cannot read music. I just did not come to it early enough. I think my April brain associates music with math and math is bad. And we've just chunked the whole music idea. Yeah. But if you think about that, really, I mean, back whenever you played the piano a hundred years ago yeah. or whatever, maybe you did it by ear. Maybe you didn't read music then either. That's, you never know. Yeah, that's really true. So the cellular memory theory is popular with a lot of my Christian clients who don't really have any concept of past lives as part of their belief system, or but they still have experiences they can't explain. And I believe that this can also explain ancestral trauma. So yes, I think that trauma can be passed down just like that rat experiment showed us. So there is a book that's also in my shame stack that I have not read yet, but I am totally (laughs) fascinated with. It's called It Didn't Start With You, How Inherited Family Trauma Shapes Who We Are and How to End the Cycle by Mark Wolin. And I read an article about this book and it talks about how he had one particular patient who had a suicidal fantasy And she had this very specific way she often thought about killing herself. And she's like, I just want to throw myself in one of the liquid metal vats and vaporize. It turns out this woman's grandmother was in Auschwitz. And she saw people go to the ovens in Auschwitz. And I can't remember if she had been killed that way herself. But he proposed that this woman was carrying her grandmother's trauma about the ovens at at Auschwitz. And, you know, along those lines too, I recently had a conversation with someone about something similar where, um, 
our ancestors' trauma can be affecting our current lives, even like ways that we need to heal. There's an idea there that if we work as healers to heal whatever it was they saw or to heal them kind of retroactively, that we can overcome that in our current life. Because for example, my ancestors saw some horrible things happen at Auschwitz. Actually, this is true. And um, some of the things that I'm going through physically by healing them, even retrospectively, working on healing that trauma that they had, it will help me get over the physical trauma that I have in this life. So that is the concept. I don't know whether it'll work. I might try it. And the reason behind this is because if you do Reiki or any type of energy healing, you know that healing energy transcends space and time. So you can use Reiki or any type of healing energy to heal the past, to heal the future, to heal the present. So that's what that whole concept is about. So it's kind of such an interesting mm-hmm. concept. So let's talk a little bit about our soul family. We mentioned it a little bit when we were talking about soulmates, but soul family are people that you're connected with throughout your soul's journey. And I say people, what I mean is other souls that you're connected with throughout your soul's journey, past, present, and future. For example, I know from my own past life expiration that my sister was my mother in a past life. My brother was my uncle. And both my sons have also been in past lives with me. Um, Again, discovered all through past life regression hypnosis. I do believe that we have soul families and we often incarnate together. Just like my med school friend, we have been every combination under the sun. And, but there is one concept that Maura Kelly talked about in Beyond Past Lives. I am not on board with this concept because it sounds like the worst group project ever, but she talked about (laughs) how groups ascend together and they work on the same theme. So for example, I might be part of this huge healer collective and we don't really ascend until every single member of my little healing pod has worked through their healer theme. So it's like we rise up together or you stay stationary until everybody gets it. And to me, that just sounds horrible. It's like, <laughs> like what if you're that one person in the group who's doing 90% of the work and then the rest of the people aren't doing anything? So I am not on board with that concept, but I thought I would at least mention it here. Yeah. It's like when the whole class gets punished because one person is doing something. I have to say that I'm in agreement with this. I think that our connection with, you know, that spirit, with source, it's all very personal. So I can't really get behind that concept myself, but it's really interesting to ponder. So let's talk about some different ways to discover your past lives. Again, these are kind of similar to life purpose methods, actually. Um, So you can psychically connect to past lives uh, through things like, for me, my claircognizance is really strong. So I actually, when I was in the Bahamas, I was on a soul searching journey all by myself. And uh, I did a meditation while I was in the water. And through that, I connected through one of my past lives that actually happened in the Caribbean. So um, that was really interesting. I got information and I learned why I'm afraid of being 
in, I'm, I have claythrophobia, which is a fear of being trapped. We actually talked about this in the dream episode, <laughs> trapped in an elevator, you know? Um, so I understand why I have that now because I was trapped inside a boat as it was sinking. Mm-hmm. So my first past life I remembered, and clairvoyance is one of my strongest, so I tend to see what my past lives were. But remember that friend I mentioned in med school is I had, I was dating someone and then this guy I was dating didn't like my friend. He thought, I think we were too close. So mm-hmm. I had this weird reaction and I told the guy I was dating, I was like, look, if you make me choose between him and you, I'm going to choose him every single time and you will lose. And that was just so out of character for me that I'm like, what yeah. the heck is going on here? So I asked my guides, I'm like, show me why I had this reaction. What is this thing? And my guides showed me my very first past life memory ever. And in that particular life, my med school friend was my son. And this guy I was dating was his stepfather who was very jealous of the love that uh, I had for my son. And we're, mm-hmm. we kind of were playing out that same theme in this life. And once I realized that my friend was actually my son, it, it explained a lot of feelings that I had from him because he was dating somebody else. And I didn't like the girl he was dating because I didn't think she was good enough for my kid. You know, and it always it put those all these feelings in perspective. So a lot of times I will ask my guides when I have something funky coming on, like you just did. Why am I feeling claustrophobic in an elevator? Oh, it's because you got trapped in a ship and you almost died. Right. Same, same. (laughs) Right. So it. I, I think it's incredibly useful to ask your guides or tap into whatever your clear gifts are to figure out why is this happening to me and the and since I did that, the floodgates open and I can't even tell you how many lives I've remembered since then. Yeah. So, you know, we just mentioned you can do it through meditation, uh, just connecting with your higher self or your guides, even your ancestors, quite honestly. Um, but you can also get a reading. A psychic sometimes will be able to tell you what your past lives were based upon their intuitive abilities. Okay. So here's another way that I have not personally done myself, but it's a cautious Akashic record readings. And the Akashic records are supposedly, from what I've heard, stored in the great library on the other side. And that is every life you've ever lived is part of your Akashic record. And there are some intuitives who are trained to tap into what your records were and explain them to you in an attempt to help guide you in this life. I don't think you can access this life because that's like a spoiler alert. So you can't really access your blueprint for this life. But from what I understand, you can access all of your past lives in the Akashic records. Yeah. One time the Akashic records was explained to me as basically a record of everything that's ever happened to everyone. Mm-hmm. So another way, of course, to experience past lives is through hypnosis. Uh, past life regression hypnosis is something that I do for quite a few clients. The difference between getting that and getting a reading is that when you're getting a reading, it's someone whose intuition, they're, they're tapping into their intuition and they're telling you, you know, what they're getting. But with hypnosis, I actually would put you into the hypnotic state and you experience that life as it's happening. I take you back to that past time 
But I'm very careful to make sure you're seeing it as an observer, just in case, you know, you're being burned at the stake. I don't want you to feel like that while you're laying there in your bed with the headphones on. Um, But also, if something happens that is dangerous or really uncomfortable, I can bring you out of it. And actually, age regression is another thing. People that have forgotten things about their childhood, age regression is very similar to that. So. So we have a couple other random thought-provoking questions that we were pondering that we wanted to add at the end of this. First question here, how do you explain the population growth as it relates to past lives? Are there new souls being created? And by the way, this came from that book that I referenced earlier called Old Souls. One of the other answers, possible answers to this that someone proposed is that the souls could be coming from another planet somewhere else in the universe. My own personal opinion is that there are not new souls being created, but not all souls are always embodied at the same time. Uh, You know, I don't, I think that there is a certain number of souls and I've been reading, I'm not done with it yet, but there's this interesting book by Ernest Holmes called The Science of Mind. And it's got some really very advanced concepts in it that I find like my Aquarius brain is being blown. Like it's awesome. But he explained the existence of source. When you think of two plus two equals four, that's always existed. It was never created. And the same logic exists for spirit and, in my opinion, souls as well. Maura Kelly talks a little bit about this in her book, Beyond Past Lives. But I'm with you. I don't know that there are new souls being created. I think it would be exceptionally rare. So I do think we just kind of get recycled, as it were. But Sylvia Brown talked about how Earth is a low vibration. It's low density. And if you think of Earth like boot camp, and she says it's the other planets in the galaxy call Earth the dark planet of insanity. And I kind of think about it like if you are going through the ghetto and you lock your doors. So if you can imagine like these spaceships, oh, there's planet Earth. We need to lock our doors, (laughs) right? But the thing with Earth is because it's so challenging here, she talks about how your soul is not even allowed to incarnate here until you've reached a certain level to make sure that you can even handle it. And when you incarnate here, it's like 10 lives on other planets. Like this is boot camp. This is like hardcore stuff. So only the hardiest souls get to even come to planet Earth at all. And some people think that this is the greatest show in the galaxy right now. And why we've had this population growth or explosion is because Earth itself is at a turning point and we are changing and they want to be a part of it. So, okay. So what happens with suicide and abortions? All right. So I know a lot of loved ones have come to me when I did mediumship work and their loved one had committed suicide and they're very fearful of what happens to them in the afterlife space. Well, I think that suicides terminated their contract early. We all have the contract. Hopefully you read yours because I did not read mine, right? But (laughs) for some reason, suicides just terminated their contract early. So Sylvia Brown talks about this is what happens is they go to the other side and get immediately recycled back. 
And what that is, is like, let's say you chose to have an alcoholic father and an absentee mother. There are plenty of couples out in planet Earth who are going to meet that criteria, right? So So somebody out there will have a duplicate set of criteria that you put in your blueprint for lessons you needed to experience. And what happens with a suicide is they don't get that downtime or integration time, but they just get recycled immediately into another couple who met the same criteria someplace else in the world. Now for abortions, I do have clients that are concerned about that as well. Um, It's my belief that the baby's soul returns to the other side, doesn't blame anyone, and may even choose to return to you as another one of your children at a later time when you're actually ready or you're in a better state or circumstances. I think those are really great explanations. And uh, I totally would agree that those are possible um, for me. I'm not quite sure. I, I, like I said, the jury is out for me. But you know me, it's like, again, I believe that some things are mysteries that we may not ever learn about. So it's really fascinating. So next question now, why are some people conscious and some are not? So some people seem to be born with consciousness in like (laughs) April, for example, you kind of, you know, you always had it, you were raised in the kind of a home where they were open to all of that kind of stuff. And some people find it along the way, like me, who, you know, about seven or eight years ago is when I had my uh, enlightenment, my awakening. And some people really never get it. So I think the number of times you've incarnated is somewhat of a factor. So uh, my parents didn't get it. I, I will tell you, I think that we are on different levels of our soul evolution, but I just had it and I've incarnated, I've been in incarnated on this planet. Heck, I was retired, right? (laughs) This is my bonus life. I call this my bonus (laughs) life. So I think the number of Mm -hmm. times you've incarnated matters. I think that your life theme matters too. And what I see with empaths a lot is it's almost like we signed up for extra credit. It's like, not only do we have our life theme to work through, that we signed on this extra theme that makes us feel like we have to help other people. Mm. And I think some other people mm-hmm. didn't sign up for that. So you we can look at those people and go, what? You're just here to have your kids get married, pay bills and die? What about helping humanity? And that sounds, you know, we kind of can't comprehend that. But sometimes the life themes are very different and the quote unquote consciousness or the wokeness may not actually be part of your life theme at all. Yeah. And I'd like to add a little bit here, just a little note, this is not my personal opinion, but there are some people out there, thought leaders, in fact, that believe there are energies affecting our collective thoughts, like the thoughts of humankind, poisoning them with distractions like social media, entertainment, uh, controversies, all kinds of things like that as a way to destroy the true way humankind is supposed to be. And even though it's not my personal opinion, I do think that, you know, I mean, I guess it's a possibility. That's something to think about because I feel like there are a lot of people that are going that way. And it's up to us as empaths, as light workers, as people who are for positive change to try and counteract that as much as we can. 
So let's ask this question. I guess we've kind of talked about it a little bit, but can our souls exist somewhere simultaneously? And I absolutely believe so. I think that we might be at this very moment there might there's probably another gen on another planet in another dimension uh somewhere else or even while we're here on earth perhaps i'm having another life somewhere um and this whole concept i mean when you think about it here on earth t- is the only place that time is an actual concept it's the only realm for that reason i believe our soul can be embodied during overlapping time frames and for example, I recently did a past life session where the client presented as a celebrity who didn't even pass away until she was five years old in this lifetime. And she was like, I wonder why that is. And I was like, well, it's just because, you know, you, you're you here right now with me, but you were also there. Like it's overlapping. It's just this concept that we have. It's hard to understand, you know, as humans that time may not actually exist when you think about how our souls are, how they exist. So I find this super fascinating and I agree, but it wasn't until I read the book Beyond Past Lives that I even came across that concept of soul splitting because I had two past life memories that were occurring in the same time period and I I wasn't able to reconcile them. I'm like, how can I have been this jazz singer One of Billie Holiday's contemporaries is what I remember. I mean, I saw the clothes. I knew I was in Chicago. I knew I had a gangster boyfriend, right? All the things. But I also had this separate memory where I was a pilot, a fighter pilot in World War II, like a bombardier pilot. And I'm like, how how can I have been both of those things? And it wasn't until her book that I learned about soul splitting. I'm like, oh, that makes perfect sense. But I also feel that there's this other concept and it's Marvel Comics calls it the multiverse, right? So it's parallel lives, other planets, other universes. And you are also able to tap into those lives as well as part of the collective. And I have somewhere close to 15 that I remember that I think are on parallel. It's I don't think I'm soul split. I have a couple that I think are soul split, but majority of this 15, I think, are the parallel me's. And it's pretty fascinating. And sometimes they'll bleed through. But Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, I can't even explain it. It's like I see bits and pieces of their lives and I'm like, okay, that's cool. You know, this version of April is doing this. It's a very advanced concept. And I would even propose that sometimes when we dream, we are in those Mm -hmm. other lives. You know, that's, that's what's happening. You know, we see people and places that seem so real to us, but they're not what we're experiencing right here and right now. Maura Kelly even talks about in Beyond Past Lives that if you have a problem, keep that in mind as you go to sleep and put the council of April on it. All the Aprils, all the universes, all Mm -hmm. the lives. Let's tap into your collective experiences to help me solve my problem. So I thought that was pretty cool. So here's another question. When does the soul enter or leave the body? And a lot of the work I do with uh, three brain realignment techniques, sometimes that technique takes me back to or takes a client back to preconception at the point of conception, 
point of birth. So when does that soul come in? So Sylvia Brown proposed that the soul could enter the body at any point in time between conception and birth. And her own guides told her that she often entered early on in the gestation process because she was really eager to get to earth. And on that other side, we're, I mean, we're in paradise and all things are hunky-dory on the other side. And we forget how planet earth is like, you know, (laughs) so we're all (laughs) eager to get down here and do the things. And then we're down here like, oh no. But her guides told her she had this tendency to jump into her fetus body too quick. And then she got bored while she was waiting to be born. And this could lead to restless babies because they're just hanging out in the hot tub of your uterus. Well, yeah. What's there to do in there? (laughs) I mean, you, you, you know, just hanging around, listen to the muffled sound of your mom's voice. So I have clients who vary in their responses about when they think the soul enters. Some say conception, some say it at point of birth. And those are the two most common responses. My belief is kind of along with Sylvia and I think it can enter at any point. So Jen, have you thought about that concept when it enters? You know, I, I think I would agree with you. I think it could be at any point. Um, I'd also like to propose that sometimes our soul might leave our body and another soul might take its place. Yes, that's a concept that's often referred to as a step in. And it's mm-hmm. usually contractually agreed between both parties that, you know, it's like, oh, I, I'm not digging this life I chose. I'm just going to peace out. <laughs> you want to take over here like a sublease? And I can get into like, if you've ever known somebody who all of a sudden seemed to be a different mm-hmm. person, like, I think that could explain yeah, that. Absolutely. And here's another freakish little thought. And Jen, out of the two of us, you're the only mom, right? So you're going to have to like weigh in on the mom (laughs) experience. So, But some people believe that when a woman experiences morning sickness, this is her body's way of adjusting to carrying another soul. And that pregnancy is the only case where two souls can sort of kind of occupy the same space without it being considered a possession. Super crazy, right? Yeah. And uh, as a mom, I will be honest with you. I was very fortunate in that I never had morning sickness. I know. Believe me, I had plenty of other issues going on, (laughs) especially my second son was born. He was a stargazer. He was born face up, Mm -hmm. which is not natural. (laughs) Anyway, um, fire sign that he is. (laughs) Yeah. Anyway, uh, so I don't know about that. It's pretty interesting. I guess what I would think is that, you know, that even though you're connected by body, it's still a different body. It it's is. a different it soul. Is. But I mean, when you think about it, I suppose split personalities could be different types of souls, right? Different souls in the same body. I mean, it's yeah. not, this isn't something that we had really had in our notes to talk about, but <laughs> uh, I guess it's a possibility. I just don't know the answer to that. Right. It, well, if you think about it, a pregnant woman's kind of like one of those Russian nesting dolls. Yeah. <laughs> you've got you've got a doll within a doll, yeah. and it's two souls two souls within the same basic container. Mm-hmm. Right. Even though it's got its you know the shell, the overall shell is the same. So it's pretty interesting. Well, the other thing too, there there is also quite a popular belief out there that there is no soul until the baby is born. Right. Right. So some people believe that that someone isn't actually born because it's a woman's body. And, and, you know, like, Mm -hmm. for example, people that are pro-abortion might Mm -hmm. um, believe that. So, uh, yeah, that's also another concept. We don't really know, do we? Yeah. 
So Sylvia Brown also mentioned that the soul can leave the body prior to death to avoid experiencing the actual pain and trauma of the actual death. So the body still appears alive, but the soul knows what's coming and it chooses when it wants to leave. So I think this is a great comfort to those people who worry uh, that their loved one felt pain in their last moments, especially when it was a traumatic death. Yeah. And actually you hear stories about that often where people like I watch the crazy crime shows, you know, like Mm -hmm. I shouldn't be alive and whatever else. And (laughs) they're like, I, I was like, they'll, they'll explain how I know he was Mm -hmm. stabbing me, but I wasn't in my body. It was like I was watching it happen. And that's obviously an OBE, but that would really explain that concept for sure. Yeah. I also think that you write several out clauses into your contract. So if you believe that you've completed your mission, objective, or goal on earth, then you can choose to leave through one of your out clauses. So I've actually had a palm reader tell me I've passed up four outs already. And this was about five years ago. So who knows? I don't, I'm curious about how many I wrote in my contract. And I thought you did negotiate your contract. That's what I'm wondering. I know. Well, this is true. Like how many do I actually get? Maybe they were generous and you know, the powers that be just had that in there for you. Right. So let's ask, pose this next question. Is there a way to resolve karma carried from past lives? Now, if you do a past life regression session, I think, you know, that can definitely help with that. So I think you can extinguish or resolve karma with the technique that I do. If it does come up, it's prior to a birth. And then I can help you um, let go of that karma and remember that past life where this originated. But another way is to consciously ask your guides to extinguish karma, break any promises or vows from past lives that could still be affecting you in this life, like a vow of poverty or chastity. If you took those in past lives and they're still in effect today, that could explain why you're having difficulties in relationships or in finances. So your guides, angels, whoever you like to work with can help you release you from those bonds and resolve some karma. I, f- I, think. I feel badly for anybody who took a vow of chastity and poverty. Man, that <laughs> right? what fun would that life be? <laughs> yes. I've had a couple of nun lives <laughs> and at least a couple of monk lives. So you better believe that when I first heard about this concept, I'm like, all right, let's cut Let's cut those ties. I'm done with that stuff. <laughs> so something else you can do is counteractive work in this life. For a very simplified example, if you discover that you're carrying karma from being an animal abuser in a past life, then maybe consider volunteering to help abused animals in shelter. You know, somehow kind of turn that around and make it good. So let's talk about healing the past. Can you heal the past? And again, I say yes. Energy, like I said before, transcends time and space. So I I normally don't think about trying to heal backward or retroactively, but I I do think you can practice forgiveness in the present for past events. I will say I have used an exercise with some of my clients about, it's called rewriting your past because your subconscious is timeless. It actually has no concept of time and it believes whatever you tell it. So if you would like to go back and rewrite your entire childhood or past, and you can do that in such a way 
then it's possible that that subconscious won't know the difference and accept that new version in place of your actual one. But I do think that changing your energy can change the energy of others via the collective consciousness. So we all get healed when you heal yourself. Yeah. And, you know, we, we did talk a little bit about doing healing work on your ancestors and how that can help heal yourself in this current life too. So I don't necessarily think that healing, doing ancestral healing work is necessary as far as going back and say, I'm going to heal great grandpa or whatever, because I, I do think it's all contained within you. So we can be con- conditioned by the trauma of our ancestors or be dealing with some of that ancestor trauma. And it is our responsibility to break those patterns within ourselves to avoid that negative conditioning on future generations. But since we're all tied together with the collective consciousness, as you heal yourself, then yes, it makes sense that you heal them as well. Yeah. And I definitely see your point on that. I'd say that healing your ancestors would mean you would also have to heal yourself at the same time. There's no magic pill, you know? Yeah, 100%. So here's another question. When we do cord cutting or hook removal, does that end our relationship with the other person's soul forever, past, present, and future? I say no. Okay. So I believe that cords of pure love will always stay intact. And even if there's a really crappy person you're trying to cut a cord with, your higher self knows that love is at the root of it all. So there will still be some part of a cord that's pure love and that's going to stay intact. But cord cutting removes the toxic negative portions. I think if you choose never to incarnate with another soul, I think that would be done at the in-between space or the afterlife. You both would need to decide that, uh, yeah, I don't want to incarnate with you anymore. We're donezo. But uh, because if you were to permanently cut them out through a cord cutting ritual in this life, that could interfere with something your higher self chose to do. So Hmm. yeah, mixed bag on that one. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting information on that. So here's another question. As they relate to our souls, what about ghosts? I believe in ghosts. All right. Because I've seen them. I have worked with them. And I do think there's a difference. There are earthbound ghosts and there are other side entity ghosts, right? If you will, our, our loved ones, their spirits that we are on the other side. So some people say that um, people stay earthbound when they die as a spirit because they're afraid of the other side. Their death was quick and they don't realize they're dead. But this kind of, you know, contradicts that your soul knows what's coming and it'll escape. So that's a little contradiction there. Or they have unfinished business and they need to stick around. So I I have encountered ghosts. Why they're here, I don't know. But they stay earthbound and a medium can help them cross over. But I also think that our loved ones who have crossed over can come and visit us in ghostly form. My dad died three years ago. And I 100% get this intuitive hit that he is hanging out with my mom a lot of the time. And when I try to connect with him on the other side, I get busy signals a lot. And I'm like, yeah, you're busy. (laughs) You know, you're hanging out. (laughs) And I know that my dad is waiting for my mom to cross over herself. Mm -hmm. And so I think he's spending a lot of time sort of guiding her and protecting her in this life. Uh, but yeah, I think you can have earthbound ghosts and you can have our crossed over spirits come back for a visit. How about you? You're the medium, the active medium. 
you know, I guess for me, the jury is out on that subject as far as whether ghosts have a soul or not. I, even though I'm a medium, I don't personally um, work with ghosts, but there are mediums that, that will do that. So I have to say, I am not an active medium at the moment, and it's because of the ghosts. So if you go back and listen to our episode all about April and Jen, you're going to get my ghostly experience on there. And it's like why I don't work with ghosts that you do mediumship work because it was a lot. And uh, it's been explained to me that people who have mediumship ability, it's their soul is bright and it's almost like a moth to a faint flame. And that's where the, how the ghosts and the spirits know how to find you mm-hmm. is because you're shining bright. And I was inundated with ghosts everywhere. I could not go anywhere without seeing ghosts. They are literally everywhere. And that was a bit too much for me to handle. So I sort of turned that gift off. Lately, I am getting, (laughs) my guys are telling me to turn that one back on and I'm being a little petulant little child and stamping my feet. And I'm like, I don't want to. So we're negotiating that and it hasn't come back yet, but I know it's just a matter of time before that one does. But I kind of think of the ghosts are the soul. Right. So it's mm-hmm. not really the ghosts have the soul. The ghosts are the soul just in that spirit form. And, um, but fascinating. And, and I do think there's a difference between earthbound and crossed over. And depending on the type of mediumship you do, some mediums only work with the crossed over, some only work with the earthbound, and some do both. And the way it was explained to me is the vibration of them is very different. And you just talked about how that medium. Uh, some mediums feel that the ghosts are a darker type energy and it's the vibration is lower and slower. So some mediums that work with both the other side and earthbound spirits, they have to turn the volume, if you will, the vibration of their energy, they have to turn it up, like high up to kind of meet those crossed over spirits. But for the earthbound spirits, they got to slow their own vibration down and, and turn it down to try to meet those ghosts in the middle. So it's kind of fascinating to get into that. We really do need to do a show on mediumship. We should. Yeah. Put that on the list. Yep. Yep. (laughs) So send us your questions on mediumship. What do you want to know? And we will try to answer that spiritual basics podcast at gmail.com. That's where you need to send them. Yeah. So thanks so much guys for joining us. I mean, we, man, we answered a lot of really juicy questions or we brought up a lot of a lot of things to think about. So what a great conversation. Yeah. So I think this might be my favorite episode ever that we've done. Yeah, it's been pretty deep. It's definitely been a deep dive. Yeah. We need to uh, do more episodes like this one with these advanced concepts. Please don't forget to give us a like. And if you listen on iTunes, rate us, Spotify, make sure you follow us. All of the things, you know, your support really does mean a lot to us. Thank you so much, guys. And we look forward to seeing you next time. This has been Spiritual Basics Podcast with April and Jen. Find full episodes on your favorite listening platform or visit spiritualbasicspodcast.com.